Well, all right, is everybody still alive here? It got really, really, really hot. And, you know, I know that a lot of you are really paying attention to your gardens because, frankly, I'm getting a lot of email, which is kind of the first time that I've actually gotten a lot of email at, yes, I'm going to drop the line again, askantonia at outlook.com. But I'm getting a lot of people that uh, are sending me pictures and they're saying, hey, what's going on here? All right, y'all. So let's back up a minute because so much of everything that you're sending me is really, really, really due to that horrible, horrible 107 degree heat that we got. And, you know, back in kind of the mid part of August, we went back up into about 90, 95 degrees. So first of all, let's, let me explain something. The most of your plants that you're buying are Pacific Northwest plants. And most of you are Pacific Northwest people. So when we're out there, we're accustomed to a specific type of warmth. We're expect, we, we kind of are accustomed to the environment that we're in. But you know what? Here's something to remember is that so are your plants. Your plants are totally used to this. And even though that you've got some brown crispy stuff going on right now, just remember not all is lost and probably not all is dead. So with all of that, um, let's talk about heat stress today because boy, I tell you what, I've been walking gardens. I've been, as I said earlier, getting a lot of uh, emails and whatnot. And we really need to kind of take a step back. Um, I know that so many of you and so many of my clients listen to me just beat my drum about watering and fertilizing and all that kind of stuff on a very regular basis. So here's kind of something to think about. Most of the people who do that regularly had very, very little, if any, heat damage. The people who've had it more severely are typically the people who, when that 107 degree came in, that, that with a dry soil, uh, was just disastrous. And so I'm very, very, very sorry. And I had one lady, God love her. She, um, emailed me and said, well, the couple days after that, I went ahead and I fertilized everything to get them pumped up. And of course, I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, hit the brakes. Let's not do that. So first of all, a couple of things is we need to be able to identify heat stress because that way you'll be able to walk through your garden and be able to start identifying some of this. Heat stress oftentimes is going to show itself as crispy foliage, maybe the ends or in the entire foliage. Um, there also, you can end up with some uh, kind of a brown or purpley spots on the trunk, uh, which is the plant on a cellular level um, basically getting hurt. Um, and what's happening is the proteins are dying out and we need to um, put more proteins into them. Um, but that that's a whole that's going a little bit too more deeper than we really want to go. Uh, a couple of things, though, to know is that that not all plants are going to show heat stress the same. We have so many different types of plants. If you have conifers in your garden, remember, much of what you're seeing this year is directly related to what happened last year. So next year, you're going to be seeing if any damage is done from this year. I know you're all rolling your eyes at this moment because I'm going to say those big, big, big trees in your garden, um, we have to keep those watered. 
we have, I mean, those big, big Thuyas, the uh, big uh, um, Arborvadis and whatnot. We, I know it sounds weird, you guys, but we really have to keep them watered because even though these things are massive and, and just huge, believe it or not, they're still pretty vulnerable. So we need, when it comes to our conifers, we really, really need to pay attention. Now, typically speaking at the nursery, um, we watched, um, I, I, I'm a weather watcher because I'm a horticulturist and that's what I do. And I need to know what's coming up in the next week. Uh, that way it'll help me decide on a, what I'm going to do at work, but also, um, how much water I need to be given my plants. And so I kind of bolstered everybody up really, really well with water. Um, things were fertilized. Uh, I made sure that any dead was taken off. I did everything I can to make them as happy and as healthy as humanly possible. And so consequently, and if you come to my nursery, uh, to my garden nursery, you're going to find even we have su- uh, suffered some heat damage. So you're not alone. Um, and the fact is, is that we're all going to have at least a little bit of this. And if you don't, then consider yourself really, really lucky. Um, so know that not all plants are going to show heat stress the same way. Um, we want to let's let's kind of uh, start on the indoors. Let's talk about house plants. House plants are probably the easiest to help circumvent this whole heat thing, and we can do that by making sure that they've got great ventilation. And if we have to move them, then we have to move them. Even full sun plants, uh, if if I was a full sun plant in a window and it was 107 outside, I would still burn because now I've got that window, which is amplifying that heat and it's getting really, really hot. And if you didn't water me, then, well, I'm going to be throwing a real big fit. So know that that uh, that ventilating uh, or venting your environment is going to be a really good idea. Another really great suggestion is is to put a fan around that area. Don't blow it on the plant proper, um but have it blow around the plant around the plant or just over the top of it. We really remember heat rises. We really want to be able to disperse that heat as quickly as possible. That way our plants will hopefully not get quite as angry with us. So when it comes to your house plants, it's totally okay to say, okay, we're supposed to get into the 90s tomorrow. And no, we're not getting into the 90s tomorrow, just so you know. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to move my plant away from the, away from the window that's go around because it's going to get warm and that's just going to magnify the heat. So um, these are ways to circumvent it for house plants. Let's talk, let's go outside now and let's go back to our conifers. Conifers, you know, conifers are really hardy little monsters. And probably the most important thing that I want you to know about all conifers is that believe it or not, conifers actually like water, but what they like just as much is really, really good drainage. The uh, roots cannot be wallowing in water. That would be a bad thing. So, Keeping our conifers watered is going to be pretty doggone um, paramount. We also want to keep everybody well fed. Remember that when I put you into a room uh, with about 20 children with colds, you're going to have a much easier time getting out of there without a cold if you're well rested, if you're hydrated, and you're fed. We need to make you healthy. So ultimately, think of it this way. That's kind of what we're doing with our plants is we're saying we need you to be healthy. 
And, but this should be happening every year anyway. The shit, we should be doing this as just a matter of good gardening. But one thing to keep in mind is that our climate is changing. And this is going to be things that you're going to see more of. So now it becomes even more imperative to make sure everybody is, if you'll pardon the expression, fat and happy. We want them well fed. We want them well hydrated. Um, if we have insects on them, we need to address that way before a heat wave comes in. Because I tell you what, we don't want to do any type of spraying with a heat, uh, with any type of a heat wave going on. That could be pretty detrimental to your plants. So, other things that we want to really pay attention to with our conifers is if we have mulched trying to retain some water, let's make sure that mulch is not up around the, the stem of the plant. If that happens, then you're creating more stress. And with every bit of stress that our plants are given, they are that much more likely to perish. So let's try to make everybody fat and happy. Let them uh, feed them. If you're wondering when to feed your pl- uh, the plants, uh, just across the board, I stick with benchmarks of March 1st and June 21st. The reason I've got those uh, as is, is March 1st really begins um, when we grow. Even when it is a little bit cooler out, we begin to go into that grow season. And at March, tw- or I'm sorry, at uh, June 21st, most of our our granulated fertilizer that we mix into the ground are going to last about two, maybe two and a half months. So let's take a gander and say, okay, it's June 21st, July, August, and now we're going into September. So we want them to kind of fall asleep naturally, if you'll pardon the expression. Um, It's very similar to you having a nice glass of wine in the evening, that as that as you finish that glass, you're just starting to wind down. And that's really what we're trying to do with our plants. If we try, I've had a couple of people ask me, hey, should I be getting ready for my fall feeding? I'm going to paint you a picture. And if y'all have kids, you're going to really appreciate this. You're going to come and drop your children off at my house. And you know what? At nine o'clock in the evening, because you're going to come pick them up at 930 at nine o'clock in the evening, I'm going to give your kids some jolt or a Coca-Cola. Oh, now you see where this is all heading, don't you? I have now wired them bad, them children up like crazy. In many respects, that's exactly what we're doing when we fertilize our plants in fall. We are letting them know, hey, time to grow. Let's get going. Let's get going. And what's going to happen? We're going to have a nice freeze. And oftentimes we lose the plant. So let's just kind of keep that in our in our mind. Remember, hard fertilizing is March 1st and then June 21st. If you have questions on that, by all means, give me a yell. Now, I'm going to back up one more time in regards to the feeding idea because we also want to do an every two week water soluble fertilizer. Now you're saying to yourself, okay, why am I double feeding? Water soluble fertilizer was never meant to be a main staple. What I want to, I want to, again, I'm, I'm trying to hit analogies that actually make sense to people. So you eat really, really healthy and you also take a multivitamin. Well, water soluble fertilizer is a multivitamin for your uh, your plants. It's not a main source of fertilizer. Unless, of course, we're working in annuals, but even then we've had some really great granulars. So 
we want to hitting them with that multivitamin every two weeks is a great, great option. It's an excellent way to bolster them and get them into really, really bold form and to give them strength so that when things like 107 creeps upon us, um, they stand a much better chance of weathering through it. So your annuals and your perennials, let's talk about perennials first. I've been walking a lot of people's gardens and you know what? You, you see some crispy leaves and even with people who have watered adequately, what we really want to do is we want to wait until the sun goes down a little bit and we want to go ahead and trim off some of those crispy leaves. We want to trim them off for a few reasons. One, they're no longer photosynthesizing. If they're crispy, they're dead. So, and also they're just not pretty to look at. What's really interesting, though, is that with all that said, the plant is still sending energy to that leaf, thinking it's still alive. So let's go ahead and take off any effective foliage, make them pretty again. And that way we're letting the plant know, okay, let's put our energy into things that are alive and whatnot. Let's make sure we keep them really well watered. Remember, we never want to water in the evening. Let me say that one more time. We never, ever want to water in the evening. And we don't really want to water in the afternoon either because that's when the sun is riding highest. And we have run the risk of burning plants that way. So let's go ahead and keep them watered. Let's do some really deep watering. While it's, uh, right now it's starting to cool off a little bit because we're, we're going into September. But also remember that in this particular time of year, our absolute hottest times statistically now i will grant you they're changing is the end of august first of september that is when it that's when we apex with heat here and everything's a little bit later up in the pacific northwest so remember that and let's start watering accordingly i do recommend at least checking your weather and the temperatures that that they're predicting um, about four or five times a week, because that's going to give you such a, uh, such a good indication as to how much water do I need to give. If we're go back into a warm spell, then we really do want to think about about four inches a week. And we can deliver that um, in two inch intervals. And I love doing that a couple of times a week. And if it's really warm, then I'll do it three times a week. I'm a big fan. If y'all know me, I'm a big fan of soaker hoses. I think it's great. They deliver water. It's efficient. There's nothing wasted. I really like that. So watering those, let's give them a nice deep, deep watering. Get those roots down into the ground so that they can stay cool, stay hydrated. Annuals. Annuals are going to be a little bit more fickle. I don't know about y'all, but a lot of mine stopped blooming during that whole thing. And they're actually just coming back into flower. And I'm pretty diligent on making sure things are fed and watered and whatnot. But uh, osteospermums, if y'all have those, or bacopa in your baskets, a lot of you may have noticed that yours has just stopped blooming and it's just coming back into flower again. That's kind of the way the plant says, you know what, I'm on crisis mode. I'm kind of hankering down here and I just want to be okay. And when the threat of this horrible, horrible, horrible weather goes away, then we can go ahead and start blooming again. So remember, we're going to keep it watered. Um, typically with my annuals, I have most of my annuals in containers. They're watered at about 6.30 in the morning every single day. 
if they're in containers, remember, they have very, very, very little access to water. So we really need to water every morning where it runs out the bottom. And I know that sounds crazy, and it might even sound like, oh, gee, Anthony, that's going to take a long time. It doesn't take as long as you think. I water with a pitcher, and most of my containers will take four pitchers of water, which is about th- about two gallons of water, and they will do quite well. Now, I'm also making sure that I bolster them with a water-soluble fertilizer. That helps them get through that as well. Even though they, a couple of them stopped blooming, they're starting to bounce back and they're starting to look good again. Now, with both annuals and perennials, since we have went ahead and uh, we have whatever damage is there, it's there. With the with your perennials, here's what we really want to do. We really, really, really want to make sure that they're watered and we also want to make sure that they're fat and happy and well fed. Here's something to think about. We, for the past few years, the nor'easter around here has been a little on the quiet side. Now, if history repeats itself, intense summers oftentimes means intense winters. So we need to be start paying attention to that. That way, I don't see you at the nursery next year saying, oh my goodness, Anthony, blah, blah, blah died. And now I've got to replace it, and I don't know what to replace it with, and what did I do wrong? And so first, we're going to stop. Well, we're going to, I'm going to stop you right there and say, we're not going to beat ourselves up. Um, everything is a learning lesson. And if we learn something from it, then it's worth it. So let's go ahead and take our perennials and let's bolster them up with good food, good water. Let's clean them up. Let's go ahead and take any dead around the base away. That way we don't have any conditions for uh, fungus and disease to start growing. Now let's talk about some of the smaller trees. Um, a lot of y'all have Japanese maples. Those are really, really, really popular. I had a lady probably about two weeks after that hundreds. She emailed me with pictures of her Japanese maple. And it's as though the entire outer layer is just fried. Well, I went ahead and I called her up and uh, I told her, I said, well, first of all, because she didn't know what it was. She thought she was overwatering it. She's like, it can't be the the um, heat because the heat was two weeks ago. Well, actually, it was the heat and your plant is just now showing it. Remember, the larger, the more woody plant it is, more than likely you're going to see a bit of a delay in reaction. Not quite as much as a conifer, but nonetheless, I get that you've got crispy leaves and it's okay. We're totally okay. We're going to continue to water it. I might even give it a little bit of a water-soluble fertilizer, too. Uh, I normally wouldn't do that with small trees because it doesn't really make sense. But, again, we've got to do everything we can to bolster them up so that they're nice and strong as we go into winter. Go ahead and take off some of those leaves. With Japanese maples, particularly the dissectums or the really fine foliage, we can actually just take our hands and kind of comb through, get all that. And remember, don't throw this away. Let's put that in your compost pile because it's going to be great compost once uh, next year rolls around and we'll be able to mix that into the soil and it's going to be some really good stuff. So let's go ahead and just kind of rake it out and whatnot. A lot of people had uh, trees in flower. Oh, my goodness. I felt so bad for one lady. She had a lovely, lovely uh, tree that was in flower. And I told her, I said, that you know what? Flowers aren't going to come back. Sorry. We're going to have to wait until next year. But that's okay because 
her tree is not dead. Now, a lot of our trees are going to look pretty abysmal, uh, for better or for worse, for the rest of the year. But it is what it is. And just know that they're not dead. And I think that's probably the best news I can offer you right now. Um, they're not dead. They will flush back out. And here's something that, uh, that's kind of cool is that there's actually a very beneficial byproduct from this is that that plant is now bolstering itself saying, okay, um, that was 107 degree heat. I can do this. And you're going to have a much hardier plant next year. So that's kind of, that's the good news with it. Larger trees, I'm seeing a lot of, uh, larger trees, particularly some of the larger uh, flowering trees that really did not like some of the dogwoods. Oh my goodness. I had a lady came into the store and she had some dogwood pictures that it looked like somebody had taken a blowtorch to that poor thing. And I looked at her and she's, uh, she says, I know it's dead. She says, I'm going to just dig it up. And I stop, don't dig it up. You've got dead foliage, but that's all right. We're going to pull that dead foliage off just like your Japanese maple and we're going to let it kind of hang out and next year next year will really tell us exactly how we how we did. When when next year comes around and you start surveying your garden, I want you to use that opportunity to say, "Okay, this is the real truth on how I took care of my garden last year." And don't shy away from it because you know what? Not everybody takes care of the garden. There's been times that I've left my garden and I've suffered for it the following year. But I had to get real with myself and say, I just did not water like I should have. And I'm going to now learn from that. And we're going to make sure that we be a lot more diligent on the watering front. Let us talk about watering for a minute, shall we? Watering is a good thing, as we all know. But I had a, I have had a few people that have uh, emailed me saying that they're just flooding things now. And that's going to be the exact other problem. Because even with really, really, really great drainage, keep in mind, most plants and most trees and most uh, perennials do not want wet feet. Unless, of course, they're kind of a bog plant or something of that nature. But what we want to do is we want to be sure we deliver a very precise amount of water. Again, when it's really, really, really warm, um, and by really, really, I mean 90s and above, I'm going to say, let's think about four to six inches of water a week. When it is about 70 to 80s, then let's think about four inches. And in uh, fall and in spring, let's think two inches. And of course, in winter around here, Mother Nature leaves the water on and goes shopping, I guess, because uh, it rains a lot here. A few other things that I want us to really, really, really look at um, are ways that we can help our plants and again keep them bolstered up. I want to let's talk about compost for a few minutes because compost is going to be a very, very, very good way for some passive fertilizing. Now, in this particular case, I really want you to look into the composts that are available in your area and whatever nursery you shop at, and. I want for you to pick out the best all organic, preferably biodynamic compost. Now, I have one that I'm actually really fond of. It's Malibu compost or baby bows. Good stuff. It is organic. It is biodynamic. I know how it's made. 
I oftentimes use it as a top dressing in my house plants to feed them. That's how rich this is in nutrients. So what I don't want to do is I don't want to just throw it on top of the soil. That's what I don't want to do. I really do want to mix that in a little bit and then water it in. I want those those uh, nutrients to begin seeping into the soil and reaching those roots. And let's get this. Let's get our babies back back to being happy and healthy. Let's try to do that with almost everything that we have. That's going to help out exponentially. Water soluble fertilizers. They're great. I love using them. And oftentimes I will use them at this time of year for a foliar feed and a root drench. Now, the upside with water solubles is that they're in and they're out of the soil. It takes about two weeks and they're gone. Whether they have dissipated into the soil or the plant has tapped into the nutrients and utilized all it can in that given time, let's go ahead and hit it with a nice, if you have plants that are green that don't flower, think higher nitrogen. If you have plants that flower, that you want to bring back into flower, we definitely want to look into a higher phosphorus fertilizer. No matter what the situation is, we always want a significant amount of potassium. Remember, potassium is the last number in your on your fertilizer analysis, and a potassium is really a like a tab of vitamin C is to you and me. It is going to help bolster our immune system, get us kind of a little bit more healthy and more robust, if you'll pardon the expression. These are all things that are going to help our babies bounce back. And hopefully, hopefully next year, they'll come back saying, we're still good, mom. And we won't have to replace things. Now, let's spend a little bit more time on preventative maintenance because somebody great said a prevention is better than a cure. So, because this year was a little intense and I, and I know it kind of freaked a lot of people out because I got to tell you, I haven't seen 107 degrees since I was in Atlanta, Georgia. So it definitely made its mark on me. Let's make sure that we water correctly. Y'all get those soaker hoses out and let's water in the morning. Um, for those of you who are watering by hand, let's make sure and let's pay attention to where that water is really seeping in. If you have an area where it's running off, because it's an incline, then we need to be aware of that and address that and think, okay, I need to give that a little bit more water because it's just really kind of rolling off. We want to make sure each plant gets this. I want you to avoid any type of a granulated fertilizing right now, but when do we fertilize? March 1st, June 21st. Let's make sure to feed Oftentimes when my clients look at me and say, I have to feed them and, and I get it. Uh, this is not, not something that everybody does, but I do look at them and say, do you feed your children? Well, why would you do a thing like that? Well, of course we're going to feed our, our plants because our plants are our babies as well. And when we feed them, then they become stronger. When we're feeding our plants, I love to hit them with a water solid, with a granulated fertilizer, excuse me. And then I like to do a supplement every two week water soluble fertilizer. I believe God made our smartphones because they have reminders. I have reminders for everything. I have reminders every two weeks to fertilize my plants. I have reminders a couple of times a year to, to give them hard fertilizer. I have reminders of 
it's going to be it's predicted to be very hot that day and that'll come back uh, come uh, come pop up on my screen so we really do want to make sure that that we have everybody fat and happy get them get them really bolstered up now Go ahead and fertilize with a water soluble now, but let's really wait until it's cooled off and we know it's cooled off. Again, remember, it's only going to last a couple of weeks and doing it once, I'm sorry to tell you, is probably not going to do it. We really do need to do this on a regular basis. So when we're preventing this kind of thing, we're going to give them meat and potatoes, but then we're also going to give it a supplemental. If we're looking at our garden right at this moment, then we do want to wait till it's cooled off and then let's start feeding. You know, I, I've, I've, I've had a lot of people that I've fed things when they're dry or when they're hot and it's just a recipe for disaster. So don't do it. Um, save your fertilizer. Let's just worry about watering. And if you think of it in this particular manner, we're going to start at very rudimentary things that are needed for life, water. And we're going to make sure things are watered. Once we're certain that they're watered after a few weeks, then we're going to go ahead and hit a water-soluble fertilizer, and then they'll have a good benefit. A couple of things to pay attention, though, is that if you have soil that has been deconditioned, um, and that's going to be in your containers, what that looks like is the soil is pulling away from the pot. We've got to rehydrate that soil because that soil at this particular moment in time is not accepting water. It is so dry that it's going to beat off and go right down between the pot and the soil. And it's going to look like you've, like it's running out the bottom, but the soil's not wet. The best thing we can do is we're going to go, let's go ahead and take that and set it in a pan of water for a couple of days. Let's let it go ahead and just soak that back up and let's get back to a good watering. I want to remind you, let's do not use any type of a spray, most especially anything oil-based. I remember years and years and years and years ago when neem oil really hit the market. Boy, you would have thought the second coming was happening. Neem oil is a great product, but remember, um, when you use that, check the temperatures. Check what the sun's going to be. I typically don't like to use neem oil if the temperatures are 70 and above and the sun is out. If you are wondering why, so you remember when you were a little kid and we all had looking glasses and we used to burn ants with them? Kind of what you're doing to the leaves. And that can end up really, really doing a lot of damage. But the reality is, is that any spray at this particular moment in time, when we have these poor babies so stressed out, they don't know which way to go, we don't want to do any of that. We want to kind of strip everything back and work our way back into a healthy regimen. So we'll start with water and then some fertilizer. And after a few weeks of all of that going on and, and you start seeing a little bit of growth, now we can say, okay, some of the stress is alleviated. And if I have aphids and I can take care of that, if I have powdery mildew, I can take care of that. Um, it is important to remember that if you have those, then it's probably from an extreme amount of stress. Aphid, uh, insects and disease and funguses typically don't hit plants unless they are stressed and they really, really, really need um, to be, again, watered or whatnot. One area of concern that I think um, is easy to miss is that let's take a look at some of the plants that we have planted by... 
um, driveways. Let's take a look at our plants by patios. Let's take a look at the at plants um, in your containers. So plants that are planted by driveways or concrete patios or other structures, remember, while that concrete at times feels cool to us, it is actually drawing in the heat from the day and then in the evening is releasing that. That's a lot of heat to release, particularly when it's just sitting in the sun. Now, you and I are moving around and we're creating a bit of a draft around us so that it's not, oh my goodness, hot, even though it really is. But these things, if you have a thermometer in your car and you have a newer car and you've been, it's been parked out in the sun for a while, I know I'm never, ever at a loss for amazement when I turn my car on and it says 98 degrees. It doesn't mean it's 98 degrees out there. It means that this thing's been sitting in the sun and it's 98 degrees. It's hot. So think of asphalt. Think of concrete. All of that stuff is just absorbing the energy of heat and it's going to release it. If we have plants that are close to that area, know that those roots now become vulnerable to this. And we really, really, really don't want to do that. A few other, uh, you know, one or one or two extra things is if you have that situation arise and you've got uh, some really lovely plants that are in that area, remember, let's just make sure that we give them a little bit more water. Now, some topical ideas is let's remember to use shade devices. I saw a lady who put umbrellas all over her yard. Now, frankly, it looked kind of cute, to be really honest. So if you're listening to me, go you. That was really cool. But there's also things that you can use. Uh, there's like these triangle sails that are very easy to erect. There are, I've seen people just put four posts up and throw sheets and blankets up. I know it seems a little bit extreme, but when we have really, really, really hot weather in the Pacific Northwest, these plants kind of need a little bit of, a little bit of extreme care. So it doesn't happen often. Um, sadly, I think it's going to be more and more. And eventually our plant material will, will keep up with us. But, for now, let's make sure that we treat them really, really well. I encourage you all to pop in and see me at My Garden Nursery at 929 East Bakerview. And let me show you what we're doing to help uh, help our friends out with their crispy foliage and whatnot. And, you know, maybe you can take some of that home with you. If nothing else, come and uh, walk through the garden and uh, breathe deeply, walk slowly. But uh, for this September, I am a much relieved and cooled off Antony, and thank you for joining me. I hope you have the best day.